welcome to another episode of Laying Down the Lore of the Old World, a lore podcast in which we aim to separate our ghouls from our goblins, our snotlings from our skaven storm fiends, and our bloodthirsters from our bloodletters, and generally ask, what's up with this Warhammer stuff? My name is Ben Crone Barber, and I know fuck all about Warhammer. With me is my co-host, Christopher Crowlin Allen. Please, no more are dead. Please. <laughs> Who also knows fuck all about Warhammer. Yeah, true. And my dear brother Darren. Undead for everyone! Who knows so much about Warhammer, it's a wonder he has time to do anything else. After gathering online to slay some vermin in the name of Sigmar, this dichotomy between our levels of understanding became clear, and this series is an attempt to address that ignorance. Hey. <laughs> Hi. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. We may need to change the after gathering online to slay some vermin in the name of Sigmar. We just have to... After gathering online, to more often not die at the hands of vermin in the name of Sigma. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> we have not done well recently. No, we? we are terrible. <laughs> After slaying some vermin on recruit mode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because some cannon fodder. That's all good at. <laughs> Let us not speak. Let us never speak again of our attempt to play it on veteran. Yeah, no. Which but is I, th- just I think when we all got a. Was it the the total party kill there? I remembered why we decided to stop playing and start talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> why we needed therapy. <laughs> so uh, so no more undead. That's sad, isn't it? Oh, there'll always be more on fucking undead. Mm, mm. That's what I meant to say. When oh, I there's plenty undead, was, of undead a, left. Let me assure you. It was it was an anagram oh, of uh, vampire counts. Which obviously is an anagram of Skaven as well, but you know. Question: How many episodes of Undead have we done? Nine. Nine. Okay, so not not twelve, not quite a year, but still, yeah. we could have had a child in the same time. <laughs> <laughs> a vampire baby. We could have given birth to a dead vampire child. Yes, that's think of all those things we could have achieved instead of talking about Undead. <laughs> we could we could have learned to play the game on veteran. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that childbirth was the first thing that you went to there. Right? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. What's the first thing when you think of when someone says nine months? Three months less than a year. Yeah. Touche. <laughs> right, so we've had enough of undead, is that right? Or sorry, we've had enough of vampire counts. Kral definitely has by the sounds of it. Yeah. Nah. I, I'm going to go. So I'm going to scandalize everyone here now, and everyone listening to say they are hands down my favorite faction. But goddamn, they're dull to talk about uh, after nine months. <laughs> after nine, I, I th- most things are after nine months. Yeah, aren't they? I don't know. I, no, I'm not going to make the jokes <laughs> I was going to make. I'm yeah. not going to make. The there, jokes it was I'm something make. to do with marriage, wasn't it? It was definitely no, it, something. It was to something do. to do with pregnancy. Nope. <laughs> Darren, you've experienced both. Ben and I have experienced neither marriage and pregnancy. What yeah. is it like? <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> as long as you understand that it's a partnership in the truest sense of the word, you'll be absolutely fine. Sure. Okay. No one ha- no one has to be a hundred percent all the time. You balance it 50-50, on a daily uh, basis. There's this uh, common there's this common referral to like the therapists when they when when they when when you have like marriage counseling and stuff and 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 couples try and explain or 
give their perception of how work and duties in a marriage and partnership are spread out and the amount always when both have like said the thing both always come up above 100 percent in terms of what what people do in terms of housework and contribute to this and contribute to that. You know, the sum total, everyone, like, there's like 150%. It's like, well, someone's obviously a bit biased somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dar, Dar definitely does 100% of like the dishes, for instance. Hey, yes. Anytime yes. I'm asked yeah. for a percentage, you know what the fuck my answer is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the show, Vic. Did you do the dishes? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> How much of the dishes did you do? <laughs> you, can, you can screw off because I fucking did the dishes before I came up here to talk this nonsense with you. Twice. All right, all right, calm it down. It sounds like how, Vic and how, Darren how much had a bit of a situation last night after dinner. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying I did 100%, but now I'm looking. I see two cups on my desk. Fuck. <laughs> you did 100% of the dishes that you washed. That's all that's important. Yeah. <laughs> Right, Crowley, you know what time it is. Hello, Reichland. It's time for Sarat's recap. Hey. Hey. I'm going to refuse to do it. I refuse to talk about the undead anymore. <laughs> I'm not doing it. We're wow, okay. that was a short yeah. recap. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, I'll do. I'll do a really short recap. Uh, it was the last of the undead vampire count episodes. Yay! Spells, abilities, units, and shit. Ben, name some of the necromancer spells. Go. What was my favourite necromancer spell? Um, gaze of Nagash. Dead. Raise the dead. Oh, is the gaze of Nagash? Yeah, that was, was pretty good as well. Actually, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Van yeah, Hell's yeah, dance yeah. macabre. Oh yeah, yeah. You love that. One. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Also, the invocation of Nehek. Raise the dead. Yada yada yada. We had some units and stuff. Var geists. Var gulfs. Var this. Var that. Spirits. Terror race stuff. banshees. Terror stuff. Cavalry and such, Black Knights, Hex Race, as above, plus on fire, it says on my notes. Okay, excellent. Um, had a few beasts in that, a few steeds, uh, a few war machines. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good episode, actually. Yeah, What, what were it. the war machines, Kral? Corpse carts, black coaches, coven thrones, mortis engines. Next. Straight off the top of his head. Did you see Straight that? Straight off the top of Wikipedia, yeah. Straight off the top of Wikipedia. Ben, what was a coven <laughs> throne? What is a coven throne? Uh... It holds a evil item. Oh, no, no. Oh, wrong, is it? Oh, that's the throne. other one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and it can be adapted from the same model. Is that right? Yep. I think so. Well, they're quite similar, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They are, yeah. However, answer the question. What is a coven throne? And what is the name of the other thing you were trying to explain as well? Bonus points there. Okay, I don't know and I don't know. Okay, coven throne. Oh, come on. Coven throne is pretty self-explanatory. A bunch of witches on a floating platform. A bunch of vampires, Chris. Vampires, not ghosts. witches. Yeah, witches. Did you say witches ghosts, or vampires? Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. You better not have said the B word. Did you say the B word or did you say the W word? Witches. Oh, okay, witches. He said right. the W. Witches yeah. need. They were stitches. they were bitching witches. They were bitching right. witches. They really were. Well recovered. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mainly used by the <laughs> Lamians. Yeah. Yeah. It was recovered platform. is how I'd describe that. Yeah. <laughs> salvaged we'll call it salvaged well salvaged, salvaged. Yeah. yeah 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 uh yeah floating platform and that isn't it carried by ghosts and, and stuff the mortis engine that's it the rick didn't really mortis seem engine. like an engine to me I mean, it was definitely mortis for sure but mm. not, yeah, yeah i feel that engine yeah yeah yeah, yeah, Especially yeah, the model. yeah. Just what was it powering ghosty. unless unless the um, end the mortis engine is like the little kind of bit in the middle that powers the whole thing in which case what's the whole thing called God, I'm disappointed. 
<laughs> Drink that coffee, Crowl. Oh, hello, oh, Martha. Hi, <laughs> You're right. You want to get involved? Someone said more. Did I, t- did I tell you that the, <laughs> someone had converted? You can find it on Instagram. Someone converted a mortis engine oh, yeah. to be a music box. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah, you, said. The, oh, yeah, you flick said. the switch and the, the the entire thing spins around. It was pretty That's good. Some, some fucking pump and disco comes out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was it in a really patchwork way so how do you feel about coming to the end of the undead episodes darren your favorite faction how do you feel about it as well ben how do we all feel about it let's Um, talk about this i'm a little bit disappointed about the war engines i kind of Mm. felt like yeah they were just a bit ethereal and like you know like a what was the other one the black wagon yeah the black Uh, wagon the the black coach the black coaches the black oh the black coach right yeah yeah they all seem to be a bit boxy and a bit carry there wasn't any kind of i thought like some sort of trebuchet with bones in it. That's what I was mm. hoping for. I don't feel like the war machines are the undead faction's forte. I think they're more about necromancy front oh, and center. Brains. I mean, yeah. Jesus, if we didn't get that message, we're stupid. <laughs> it's all about necromancy, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, yeah, the war machines are just, they're, they're, not, they're not like dwarven war machines or even orcish war machines and probably not elvish war machines, which I have a feeling we might learn about at some point soon. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Oh, oh, would you say oh. that's true, Darren? Their war machines are useful. Yeah, the, va- kind of the support, vampire counts. But they're not really. No, they're not the main event, are they? The vampire counts war engines. Let's call them war machines, thrones, what have you. Really deliver buffs to their undead forces and their the capacity to manipulate the dark wind of magic. In terms of range combat, vampire counts don't really have any. I mean, with the obvious mm. exception of the uh, Sylvanian peasantry militia uh, crowd that the von Karsteins can have access to. Um, for for true war engines and war machines, you're looking towards Tomb Kings, which is the other mm. undead faction. Uh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, so they have the uh, trebuchet-like catapults they have. Um, uh, I don't want to give too much away. They have a lot, uh, and it's they pretty have, awesome yeah. okay. and very Egyptian-y. Excellent. So do, 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 the, do the necromancers, in terms of spells, do they have much ranged uh, spells? You know, Or is it more just you can't really kill us because we're... We just keep we just keep raising up the dead. Yeah, there's a kind of slow, relentless attack rather than a ranged shooty attack. I think it's one of those things where we try to make a distinction between necromancers and vampires and how they, uh, you know, use the winds of magic. Necromancers, in general, in general, focus on raising and regenerating the dead. They do have some range spells in the in the game, but they're not particularly powerful. The vampire counts, on the other hand, have access to the same spells, but are in general, well, with relation to the, or, or in relation to the necrarchs, are far more powerful than a necromancer and have abilities above and beyond um, that of a human to be able to extend their range. But still, only a handful of spells including uh, the gaze and the gash. They do have something called the Hand of Death. Fabulous. 
but that needs to be uh, done in close combat. So it's it's very kind of get a get stuck in army with a a, a can do attitude. It's like a kind of necromantic bitch slap the the hand of what was it called the 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 hand the hand of death the hand of death. Whoosh. Do they? Is it, is it that kind of? Is it a slap? It is. You literally grab the enemy and they advance in age by decades as you're grabbing them. And they oh, wow. okay. they go through the process of aging, zombification, and then become a skeleton. Wow. How long do you have to hold them for? Uh, two to five seconds. Holy Which shit. is the better hand? The, what was it? The undead hand or something? Was it what this hand did you say? The Hand of Death. The Hand of Death or the Hand of Mork or Gork. can't remember. Well, it, it's, it's apples and oranges, really, because one is used for transporting a unit from one place to another, and another one is used mm. for aging someone with a, a, a kind of, you know, Vulcan age grip. <laughs> but if okay. you combine yeah. the two, it's fucking mental. <laughs> they just, you pick them up, <laughs> and then you toss them to the other side of the, the, the battlefield, and they just arrive as a pile of bones. <laughs> <laughs> they, no, they arrive the next day. <laughs> <laughs> if you're lucky. If you're at your front door. It's been in the rain all fucking day. Right, right. Fuck undead. Fuck all that vampire stuff. What's next? Next, Tomb Kings. More undead. More undead. <laughs> Kill me now. No. <laughs> and then raise me. I thought we'd uh, we'd veer widely away from um, the forces of the undead and start looking at the elves of Warhammer, specifically the High Elves. I feel like we need a a harp or something. I don't think there's a call for a a can of harp. What? (laughs) (laughs) What, you don't have a harp nearby, Kral? Come on, man. I'm sorry, dude. Letting the side down. You knew yeah. what we were. You knew what was going on today. You knew. I brought my well. choir. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Got nothing. Uh, hi elves, sweet. Hi elves. I should probably just put it out there now that I was never really a Skaven fan. I've always been a high elves fan. So basically, what you've revealed there is that you're a liar. <laughs> I, I'm starting to sense I have no integrity. <laughs> <laughs> Right, high elves, shut your faces. Um, (laughs) Face shut. I don't know why I'm being so aggressive. I'm actually in quite a good mood. I don't know. It's because of that haircut. I can only apologize. You look like a bit of a thug. That's what it is. As soon as they shave the side of your hair, it's just like all hell breaks loose. (laughs) (laughs) The elves of Warhammer are very much um, cast in the kind of Tolkien vein. These are beings that are between, you know, five and a half foot to six and a half foot tall, svelte, which is a great word, not at all a word related to felf. What does svelte mean? Svelte, uh, skinny, made, fit. They're, they're made of felt, Chris. Oh, it's true. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's felt with a lisp. Yeah. Svelte. It's when you're telling somebody how felty it is. It's svelte. 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 No, it's the the grade of felt. It's S-felt. Yeah, exactly. S-grade felt, babe. Wow, this has gone off track, hasn't it? Already. (laughs) 
Okay, so we've got these fuzzy owls. you got... <laughs> <laughs> Go on. You have my curiosity, now you have my interest. Yeah, so. my interest. No, that has derailed me almost completely. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, the elves are what we would think of if we're looking at the Lord of the Rings movies. These very kind of um, almost ethereally style beings, very thin uh, but strong, uh, very graceful, nimble. very fast, very nimble. Exactly right. Um, and they can... Oh, incredibly <laughs> annoying. Um, but Pretentious, these... self-righteous. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, are you just describing me, Kral? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in Warhammer, these uh, elves are seen as the archetypal good guys, uh, if you know what I mean, in terms of the good, neutral, uh, evil kind of paradigm, even though they're not particularly good. They have, they're on a mission, which happens to align with a lot of other factions that you would consider lawful neutral, I suppose, is the, uh, is the, the D&D characterization of these guys. Now, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when we're talking about elves, we need to understand the three flavors of elves. Snap, crackle, and pop. I've got there before Ben <laughs> did. I could yes. tell. Oh, I love it. <laughs> That was episode three. That was a long time yeah. ago. High elves, uh, dark elves, wood elves. High elves, dark elves, and wood elves. Got there before Darren did. Bam. So what you what people <laughs> need to understand is that all elves are high elves. They are actually all high elves. The ones that call themselves dark elves split off during something called the Sundering uh, and took over evil Canada where they became dark elves. Their culture twisted uh, and manipulated under their king, who, let's call him Voldemort for the moment. Um, yeah. The yeah. wood elves split off from what we would consider to be true high elves about a thousand years after that. And they remained in the old world, when uh, a lot of other elves were migrating back to their uh, home kingdom. The kingdom, of course, of Ulthuan. Uh, was it the second episode that had the uh, the tourist, the Ulthuan tourist board advert? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, like if, don't come here, man. Don't come here, man, yeah. Um, <laughs> so all of those elves come from the kind of high elf uh, culture. Basic as it was at the very beginning, much more refined uh, now. Even when I say basic in terms of elven culture, that's still far above anything else that has existed uh, in the Warhammer world, save for the Lizardmen. Now, this segues nicely into, Darren, where the hell do all these fucking elves come from? Great question. That's what I was just going to ask. Literally, <laughs> I was going to ask that. I... Who put all these elves here? <laughs> do you want elves that's how you get elves <laughs> in our own world the elves came no elves. into kind of uh, definition <laughs> well done Kral give him another point he is just smashing it right now elves aren't real in our world next <laughs> I was going to talk about their creation the, the, okay sorry 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 high elves as, as we would understand them now 
really saw their origins in the mid 80s, early to mid 80s, when Warhammer's second years. edition was being uh, yeah. created. So it was between <laughs> second edition and third edition. I'm just ignoring that. Second edition and third edition <laughs> when um, <laughs> when the kind of Warhammer world was more coming to be more defined. Uh, if, if listeners will recall, first edition and second edition were really created to allow gamers of that time to use their miniature collection for something other than role-playing. Um, but it became its own IP, it became its own thing, starting in the mid-80s. In terms of uh, the Warhammer world... <laughs> I, th- I thought you meant actually in the lore. I was like, the 80s in the lore, was that... <laughs> wow. <laughs> did, they, did they have to say, was it just like arcades and fucking neon like it was here? Like- Shoulder pads... <laughs> Shoulder, shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, soft podrons. Soft, soft podrons. Fabric podrons. Flammable shell suits. Fell podrons. <laughs> oh, fuck me. <laughs> this is where we get into uh, an interesting area, and I'll, I can't wait to see the questions you guys are going to ask. It is unclear in the lore, whether the ancestors or the things that would become the elves were either were on the planet already or were created or brought with the old ones when they found the fated place, which is obviously the name of the planet of Warhammer. The beings that would become elves were either artificially evolved or brought into fruition in what is now the old world. Um, It's unclear exactly where. I would suspect somewhere around Athelorn, where the Wood Elves uh, live now, or live in the present day. These Elves were created for a specific purpose. And once they were advanced enough uh, and had knowledge of uh, rudimentary knowledge of the high magic of the old ones, they were transferred en masse from the from what would become the old world, that area, into their home kingdom, a kingdom that was designed specifically for them. And that is, of course, Ulthuan, which kind of looks like a lopsided bagel. Uh, if you're uh, an upside down cross on, an upside down cross on, um, and that's where they exist uh, and continue to exist to this day, although in much uh, reduced numbers. The thing about Ulthuin is it's not a natural formation; it is a constructed island that floats on the sea. It's not connected to the planet in any way other than the water. Um, what? So think of it as a huge chunk of pumice uh, just sitting there floating <laughs> away on the on the, on the the sea. Okay, just uh, one, one more thing. It's place... <laughs> Growl's twitching. <laughs> it's, pla- it's place in Warhammer is roughly 300 miles southwest, southeast, I beg your pardon, of evil Canada. Uh, and so it occupies what, in our own kind of mythological lore, would be Atlantis. It is 
Atlantis of Warhammer World. I see, right. Questions. What next? What? <laughs> the next <laughs> section. <laughs> so is yeah, it not at that's... risk of just floating around like a turd in a bath that's just like knocking against other <laughs> continents? <laughs> like a turd in a bath? Did you, have you had an experience recently? Did a bath with your it. partner go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> it looked like a lopsided bagel. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. Amy, I've told you about bringing bagels in the bath with you. <laughs> oh, that's not a bagel. <laughs> so, is it tethered magically? It, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's tethered magically to kind of geomantic energy. So, you recall we spoke about when the Skaven were trying to destroy waystones, uh, and when we touched upon the Lizardmen Kingdom of Lustria, all these kind of uh, ley lines crisscross the planet and Othwin is tethered to a handful of those, a very powerful handful of those, including the site that would eventually become the Great Vortex um, that uh, sucks off the magic of Warhammer and puts it back into the Realm of Chaos. So can you swim under in and come out into the pool in the middle if you face no opposition whatsoever yes interesting but it's i was going to say the word rim uh the Don't. the kind of la- the land mass is several hundred miles wide on each side and uh, mm. so your big breath <gasps> yeah huge breath yeah yeah you it would be longer than that crowd you would need a longer yeah, breath yeah and, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. I was going to ask yeah, a question, but I've, I've got some great questions that are going to be perfect for chunks of Dar Tier 2 Patreon listeners. <laughs> forward slash Nice. nice. Yeah, are we in danger of transitioning all the amazing bants into chunks of Dar <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah, it's you just, paid for okay. content. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Paywall, bitch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, uh, this uh, is just now going to be a dull recitation of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this, this, the rest of this series is just going to be a series of the starts of jokes. It's yeah. like if you want the other half, and if you want to hear the punchline. <laughs> Moving on, we will just discuss briefly Ulthwin itself before we dive in later in the episode. Ulthwin really defines the culture of the High Elves rather than High Elves defining their culture for themselves. I mean, that's a bit of a copper answer because in general, the landscape defines the culture uh, sociologically uh, in uh, in our own world. As we said, Othwin looks like a lopsided bagel. If you can imagine two circles, one about half the size of the other, and the smaller one touches the bottommost point of the north, so you're left with this kind of crescent shape, really. I suppose uh, a, a connecting crescent. At the very f- bottom of that is where Lothern is. Now you've heard us talk about Lothern before. Uh, this is the seaport of the of the High Elves and the kind of seat of power for the Phoenix King, who is one of the two rulers of Ulthuan. We'll cover the others uh, later. You then have running from Lothern at the south, way up to the north, a series of really uh, important shrines, most of which are built on islands. So you have this single line running 
south to north, where it's touching Lothurn, and then the Shrine of Azurian, or Azurian, as I will now call him, because that's how you fucking pronounce it. <laughs> and that's uh, where the that's the kind of chief temple of the kind of head of the gods, Azurian. The next island up in the center of that inner sea. So if you can imagine the, the smaller circle, as we've mentioned, that's an actual body of water, the inner sea. The next one up from that is the Isle of the Dead. That's where the Great Vortex is. Right. The next one up from that uh, is something called Galen Vale, or sorry, I beg your pardon, Gain Vale, uh, and that's the shrine of the female head of the uh, High Elves, uh, Aisha, or Isha, Aisha, Usha, What's the other Yeah, it's Aisha. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So where the phoenix, uh, where Azurian is the kind of uh, patriarchal ruler of the high elf pantheons, uh, Aisha is the matriarchal ruler uh, of the pantheons. Are these gods or actual These are gods, yes. These are actual gods. These are gods, gods, right. Okay. And then as you travel further north, you get to the Blighted Isle, which has the Shrine of Cain on it. Uh, Cain, the bloody-handed god, anyone who's familiar with Eldar and 40k, it's the same fucking gods up and down. But he is the the kind of bloody-handed war god and the kind of embodiment of anger uh, and murder. That is all on one ley line. Uh, which begs the question, did the old ones know all of this shit was going to happen? Because you'll recall yes. when the gates collapsed, they fucked off. Oh, yeah. Did they design Ulthuan as this plug hole for <laughs> for chaotic energy uh, within Warhammer World? A, a thing did. to bear in mind, uh, it's not lowlands. It's not a flat plain across the whole of the island. The kingdom is divided in really into two parts, the inner kingdoms and the outer kingdoms. And running around the center of uh, the landmass are these uh, mountain ridges called the Anuli Mountains. These are the Alps on steroids. They are they're so high they go into the clouds. Uh, and because of the amount of chaos energy that's coming into Othuin uh, uh, for the Great Vortex, to all intents and purposes, it is a band of the realm of chaos. It's not a true portal, but it is a, a power of change and mutation uh, that warps uh, normal beasts. A lot of the monsters you find in Ulthuin come from there. Uh, so squirrels that become Chimera, that kind of idea. <laughs> um, really, really... Chaos squirrels. Chaos squirrels. Right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so are you saying that, like, because you've got the vortex in the middle, which is sucking all of these like chaos energies into it, they're passing the tops of the mountains, and is it like a like a wind trap for collecting water? That sort of effect. It's like it's like filtering, and the chaos energy kind of dumps the occasional um, dumps the occasional chaos spawn or whatever on the top of the mountain. Is that what you mean? Uh, that's exactly exactly right. right. Think of it as a filter. Uh, you've got so yeah. much chaotic energy coming into Ulthuin that it's um, amassed around the, the peaks of the Anuli Mountains, and then that filters it into 
a more steady flow that the great vortex can handle. Right, Which means okay. that, as far as I can tell, Ulthuin was completely a designed landscape specifically for that purpose. Which means that the old ones, when they um, created their great plan, if you recall, they had there's lots of golden plaques in Lustria that define the uh, plan of the old ones. How early did they write that plan? Did they know what was going to happen? And if they did, was this really the best option that they could manage? Yeah. It depends what their relationship is with 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 chaos, right? What was what was the old one's relationship with chaos? I think they sent a postcard every year. That was about it. Like, yeah. There was no yeah. family gatherings or anything. Yeah. <laughs> F- well, that kind of makes sense because they the old ones they they chose the fated planet because they thought it would be a good place for them. They they kind of tweaked it a bit, didn't they? So it was a bit more habitable for themselves. And they needed a big old sink plug hole to suck out all the chaos. They knew what they were doing. And the fact that Ulthuan is a fabricated place, it's not tethered physically, anyway, to any, uh, to do the, think, uh, to do the planet. Do you think maybe they should, they should have just been like, do you know what? This planet's called the fated place. Maybe we'll move on and find another planet because it doesn't sound like it's going to go very well here. Like, mm. like maybe, maybe, maybe a rebrand. Maybe we'll name it something like the Lovely Place. You know? Yeah, yeah. We don't know what the old ones called it because the Fated Place is the term that the High Elves themselves use for the uh, for ah, the planet. Okay. So, right, well, they could have called it Kneecap well. for all we know. And that's now what it's called. So <laughs> on the planet of Nikap. Um, so, so that's interesting. So, the, so you think is this is this a known theory, or is this your is this your take? It's my take. Ulthuin it's was, my take on on the on the stuff that's out there. Yeah, interesting. And so, to that degree, then, are you more in line with the school of belief that the elves were created by the old ones rather than they? evolved some other way they were definitely manipulated into their kind of current state is that an act of creation do you if you take a if you take an ape and turn it into a person are you creating a person are you evolving a person uh, it's semantics i realize i think that the I oh really we they... manipulated kral into what he is today i mean look at him mm, mm, mm. yeah we've not done a very good job though <laughs> it's a bit rough around the edges, but he's he's pretty much there. I mean, the sentience oh, was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, he's become self-aware. <laughs> yeah, I think that they were brought to the planet by the old ones. I don't think that they were uh, an existing race that was evolved because too much of you know too much of the context within which Ulthuin sits in terms of the history and the fight against chaos. I mean, Ulthuin is effectively a fortress against chaotic energy. Uh, apart, from the, apart from the mountains and apart from the Isle of the Dead, where the Great Vortex is, it's paradise. It's absolute paradise. Um, nice. You get the occasional raids come in. You get the kind of mutated beasts every now and then, but other than that, it is. I mean, I, I spoke about the Alps. It, it their beaches are like Caribbean beaches. 
all their pasture lands are uh, absolutely stunning to kind of have a look at. Eat from. Yeah, it's it, it's a postcard place. You know, it's it's the Alps. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see that postcard. It's just an idyllic scene, and then it's just a fucking like demon running around in the background. <laughs> <laughs> now you've got me thinking so, that it's it's some sort of elegant toilet seat for the Warhammer world. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. what it is. <laughs> so, do they have to have like patrols? You know, going up and down the mountains. Uh, we're going to get into shit. all of that. Yes, uh, okay. short answer is yes, but we'll cover that in more detail. Turning so that that's the kind of uh, land Setting. that the elves live in. Yes, the elves themselves. Oh, look at that! It rhymes. Um, <laughs> elf on a shelf. Is Ulthuin, doesn't does Ulthuin count as a shelf? Why would it? No, because it's not. Well, yeah, I suppose it's tethered, isn't it? So yeah, 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 yeah it's tethered. Yeah, yeah. elf yeah. on the shelf. There we I go. mean, it's not. It's it's not elves themselves on the shelves. Yeah, it's not the elves uh, on shelves. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not the. It's not a shelf I'd put anything on. I'll be honest with you. It's like an IKEA floating shelf. Don't fucking put anything on that shelf. It's not. It's not staying up, bro. In terms of the. Um, Elven psychology, we'll call it. Much like the Eldar of 40k, who came after uh, the High Elves in terms of their um, creation by Games Workshop, the Elves are have uh, an emotional depth that uh, humans do not have. So any emotion they feel, they feel far more strongly. And that's everything from... Love to hate to irritation to apathy to you know a little bit they're a little bit hungry and suddenly they're eating an entire cow. Um, that's a bad example. Um, <laughs> we've all been there. We've all been. There. Are they meat eaters? Or are they veggies? Yes, they are meat they eaters. Meat. Yes. Yeah, 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 omnivorous. Yeah, all all okay. elves yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. they're. Yeah. I mean, they, it, it's not frowned upon by any uh, stretch of the imagination. Gotcha. There may um, be the occasional yeah. vegan. We can't say. Mm, that's okay. That, those are the dark elves. Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> so they're These super, super up for it. Super not up for it. Like there's no in between, really. There's no kind of yeah, I'm fine. Oh, absolutely, no, no absolutely. No there's no. Like if you suggested no a night out, they'd be like, yes, or they'd punch you. It's gonna be one <laughs> of the two. I, well, the ones who wouldn't want to go on a night out would go on the night out only to ruin it for you. So yes. Yeah, it's yeah, that yeah. kind of level of... Uh, uh, I think that explains that their the, the, the emotional turbulence is probably why they're so fucking like emo when they talk so deeply about stuff. If you're just kind of thinking about uh, uh, how the elves are portrayed in Lord of the Rings and stuff, everything's so mm, meaningful yeah. and by the moonlight and like soft wind <laughs> blowing the hair across their face. Yeah. Like, do you want the cheese sandwich or not? Like, it's fine. <laughs> They're like, hold on a minute. Let me turn this fan on. Now yeah. my hair is doing the right thing. No, yeah. I don't want no. that sandwich. <laughs> that, I mean, that, that's a, a great observation because it ties into what the elves see as their mission. The high elves, uh, obviously. Um, they understand that they're fighting a losing battle against uh, chaos. Uh, that does not mean that they are without hope. They just they can't see a clear path 
through that only they can win, which forces them into alliances that perhaps they would prefer not to make because they have been entrusted with this kind of sacred mission by the old ones to protect the uh, the fated place from chaos. So everything they do is in service of that. Um, and, and, and in fact, the only things they do are in service of that. Um, this leads to quite kind of uh, moral gymnastics as they try to justify a war here or a civil war. Say, you know, it's that kind of, well, he yawned at that meeting, so he's not serious about uh, this uh, mission <laughs> that we're on. So I decided to stick I'm an offended. axe forehead. Yeah, I'm offended. Exactly yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this kind of attitude has calcified into, you know, an unthinking set of traditions uh, where if you don't do exactly what your ancestors did, you are persona non grata in the court of the Phoenix King. And, you know, a, a social misstep can ruin your entire family and your entire bloodline as enemies uh, you know, uh, take your assets and your honor is kind of shredded by the court of the Phoenix thing. Politics is, you know, is almost the primary weapon on the kingdom of Ulthuin. Sounds quite oppressive. It's, I would say... Or is it just it, the way of life? Is that normalized? But it, it's absolutely normalized, but it binds... Uh, the the high elves to their culture in a way that we probably like we in our own world wouldn't really understand. We don't have sure. this manifest destiny, as I suppose uh, our very American like, friends would say. Dare I say, dwarves in that sense? They take themselves very fucking seriously. Like lighten up, guys. Yeah, like dwarves take <laughs> probably... their actions very seriously. Like it doesn't take a lot to get in that fucking book of something or other. <laughs> the bonk of cradges. The bink of cranjos, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something, bink of I don't cranjos. know. The bink of cranjos. <laughs> That's probably why they hate each other. Mm. Mm. The, Dwarves and elves. The, the other uh, factor to uh, keep in mind is the impact of all that chaotic energy, all that magical energy of washing over the, uh, the island of Ulthuan. Doesn't really mutate elves. Elves in general are quite resistant to mutation, um, so they don't have to worry about uh, that kind of thing. They're quite long lived as well. All things being equal, elves live for about a thousand years, uh, but very wow. few get very few get that far because they can die through violence. Uh, although they are quite resistant to diseases as well. Sure. Yeah. So, but they're not immortal. No, they're they're not immortal no, at all. They're, and they're squishy. Yeah. So you begin to kind of understand why tradition is so important because you know if your dad has been alive for nine hundred and ninety years and you're twenty five years old, first of all, good on you, dad. Uh, second, yeah. <laughs> you virile yes. son of a gun. But secondly, you're then you're inculcated into that culture. You're you're indoctrinated into this is how it is always done. We're doing it this way to protect 
our kingdom and thus stand a better chance fighting against chaos. Um, okay. So ge- ge- generationally speaking, then, how does that work? I mean, is... Okay, so an elf lives for a thousand years. Are the latter thirty years or forty years of that, uh, sorry, latter thirty or forty percent of that lifespan is that considered elderly? Um, you know, how old are they generally when they have kids? Because I'm thinking, if you're 25, right, and you and you celebrate a birthday every year, and you've got a fucking grandparent that's or great 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 grandparent who's like 990. It's so it must be so expensive. Imagine all the birthday presents <laughs> yeah, you got to yeah, buy yeah, yeah. every fucking year. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. So so yeah, what's the deal then? Is is you know are they considered old and when do they have kids? It, it would be very much uh, in line with the kind of uh, the the age bands of the dwarves. Uh, so you know, elves under one hundred and twenty years old are considered adolescent, really. In terms of their uh, maturity, Experience. even though these these are beings, you know, who live uh, twice as long as a human in Warhammer, and are able to, you know, go off and fight in wars and have those experiences and train and what have you. Beyond that, then is when you start becoming uh, considered an elf in good standing, uh, a, 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 an elf with some social health. No, that doesn't mm-hmm. really rhyme. Um, <laughs> but that, but it's it's towards around uh, the three hundred year mark is when uh, really they start shagging in earnest to try and uh, <laughs> get get more kids. Uh, obviously, to prolong the elven race and fight against chaos. But it but it's from that point. It's from that point where they can uh, become you know, leaders, uh, uh, masters of their craft, whether it's, a, you know, a carpenter, whether it's a mage, whether it's a, a general. I mean, you have to consider that there are high elf servants. Right. That's the thing that kind of can take a little while to get your head around because you see, you see these kind of glittering hordes with a D uh, that are, you know, you consider them all, uh, you know, master politicians, these ethereal kind of um, ethereal mages, superior uh, and gener- yeah, superior things, and it turns out to be a cupbearer for a minor noble. Yeah, a busboy. Yeah, a busboy. Exactly right. A bus elf. I beg your pardon. A bus elf. Yeah. So it's still a hierarchy. It's not like all high elves are mighty. You still get the cleaners and the maintainers and the busboys. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course you do. Yeah. 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 That makes it, sense. It, it is a it is a culture in totality, as it were. It has everything from manual laborers to uh, kings, uh, princes and kings. Mm. So mm. how, in terms of the kind of end end game for them, is it more like humans or dwarves? Are they, are they virile, not virile, are they, are they full of vitality right up until the point they die? Or do they become kind of decrepit like, like human beings? They begin, they begin to wane... Uh, in their like the last 150 years of their life they don't exactly become decrepit but they you know they become as they were when they were a young adolescent their their body is not optimal anymore uh, and so there are uh, quite a few cases of elves um who just fade to use the the phrase from uh, Lord of the Rings, where they just their life force ebbs away right. uh, because right. they have decided that that is what should happen. Um, wow! 
But in terms of the impact of chaos, it's really more a psychological impact than a physiological impact, as we've said, or as I've said, they are resistant to mutation. With wood elves, for instance, I'll, I'll give you all three. Wood elves, the impact of chaos on wood elves has forced them to become isolationist. Uh, they have a, a, a kind of an, a, an inward view of um, their culture. Uh, they don't want any external influence whatsoever. In terms of the dark elves, it's become uh, a kind of selfish and entitled uh, culture where they believe they should rightfully inherit the entire planet. It's theirs, uh, and fuck the high elves for stopping them do it. Um, in terms of the uh, high elves, because they're still true to their mission, it be their psyches have twisted into this kind of prideful arrogance. Everything they do is right, you know, and anyone who doesn't listen to them is an absolute shitbag whatever the elvish for shitbag is. This leads them towards hubris, where their mistakes impact them almost at a cultural level. They can't see themselves as being wrong, so when they're proved wrong, that's what, you know, when they're proved wrong, it's not only their psyches that are impacted, but because they're so uh, hidebound into tradition and politics, Failure on the battlefield can decimate an entire bloodline of high elves um, in, 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 in one single go. So the only real way to succeed as a, a high elf is to be not only right, but successful 100% of the time. I open the floor to questions. Well, how does that marry up against the Tolkien version of high elves because like in the films i haven't uh, fully read all of the books but in the films the the elven characters come across as quite gentle and wise and you know they, they're kind of presented as principled beings as opposed to the kind of the defective uh version that you described there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of like arrogance and hubris uh, about them is that i don't know if maybe it goes into more detail in the books uh, I'm going to put in my theory. I think it's context. I think if you're a non-elf, they come across as fucking dicks most of the time. Um, I reckon if you're an elf speaking to another elf, I bet it's like we can do no wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my theory. No, but in the film, but in the films, the elven characters aren't. Do you know what I mean? They're not. They don't come across as arrogant, or they're not. They're they're not well, trying to portray them that way. In the Hobbit series. They come across a bit more yeah, arrogant actually. and a yes. bit more yeah, yeah, uppity. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. The, the thing as well is that all, almost all of the kind of main elf characters that are in Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit are thousands of years old, right? Not necessarily just a couple of hundred. I mean, um, Galadriel uh, was there within a generation, I think, of the creation of elves. So she's been there for eight plus thousand years she's seen and done it all she's incredibly powerful so you know she's decided she isolates herself in uh lothlorien uh, much like the wood elves that are based on those characters so she's very much athelorian is in warhammer lothlorien is in uh, lord of the rings so they are isolationist they are they stay within their wood, yeah. 
and and don't travel. The same is true for Elrond. Same is true for Elrond. Um, Elrond Hubbard. He Elrond Hubbard. He would be careful. We'll get sued. He would be <laughs> what you would consider a high elf. He's a Noldor elf, uh, and so he is. Um, you know, his his arrogance is quite plain in the text anyway, not right, necessarily okay. in the film, uh, in terms of what he knows to be the correct way to do everything and anyone that doesn't do it is stupid. Well, because he saw a human fuck it up. You know what I mean? It's kind of, I think it's justly <laughs> placed arrogance. It's like, we yeah. do know better. I told the fucker to throw that ring in the fucking fires of Mordor. And what happened? Yeah, exactly. Now we've got the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> do you want the Matrix? Because that's how you get Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> Does your family lack both finances and social station? Does your bloodline feel a bit, well, thin? Are you perhaps a social pariah, but don't have the wherewithal to even realize that simple truth? Well, here at Phil and Andrea Telsian's Boutique Antique Clique, we specialize in solving these problems and raising those <coughs> less than stellar individuals to the heights of social purity. Simply purchase one of our vast collection of items from the dawn of our race and become an instant socially recognized prince. Well, sort of. We offer a wide range of items from the arms and armor of our unsung heroes to the more mundane, such as goblets, plates, nail clippers, pleasure cult dildos, earwax removers, and codpiece fasteners. Indeed, a veritable banquet of delights for the meanest of means. Philandandria Telsian's boutique anti-clique. Go on. Show them what you're worth. <laughs> oh my. My question was about their, um, uh, their pride and ego. Will they admit if and when they are wrong? Or would they, what's the term, spite their nose? Spite their face to cut, cut off their, their nose, nose or off something. To, yeah, cut their nose off to spite their face. That's, it's really when you get into asking for forgiveness is not necessarily a cultural trait amongst high elves. If every action they take is justified by being part of the mission and they're so prideful that they think, yes, this is exactly what uh, is required and they succeed, then that's exactly, you know, that's that's a positive feedback loop for arrogance. Every action I take is uh, correct and true and right. If they're, as I said, failure... If they're just imp- wrong. If they're just wrong. I mean, let's look at the War of the Beard. They they shaved a dwarf and sent him home. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter how many times I hear that. That's still hilarious. <laughs> it's because yeah. you're a fucking shit high elf, yeah. then you... But oh, like... And that was because the dwarf was just being a dwarf. So they, you know, insulted him and sent them back. They view themselves as the wronged party. They were wronged by the dwarves. 
and the dwarves view themselves as the wronged party. And actually, they are the wronged party in the first instance. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't so, coming yeah. full circle, they were wrong. So, yeah, they don't come across as um, a face self-effacing. I can't even get my terms right. No, not today. self-effacing is, is not in their vocabulary yeah. at all. Yeah. They, 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 they will not admit when they are wrong. It sounds they'd like. rather go they to cannot war be wrong in their own minds. Than, and yeah. yeah, they would rather go to war, lose many, many lives, ruin many, many lives, rather than being told they are wrong. It's because because their cultural psyche depends on them being right all the time, and their place right, within their their place within the hierarchy of Ulthuan requires them to be right all the time. If they're wrong even once, if there's even a rumor that they stubbed their toe and did something else, I lost for examples, uh, they, <laughs> they they can lose all credibility. Gone. Uh, and thus right. one so they round yeah. so they round all the corners. They round the corners. Sure nobody mm-hmm. stubs toes. I mean it wouldn't help. They're all mm-hmm. all their buildings are fucking made out of marble anyway. Uh, so <laughs> so now that we've dispensed with the kind of psyche and culture of the high elves i thought we'd have a look at the 10 kingdoms of uh Ulthuin in a little bit of detail a lot of the information will be expanded as we go through their history over the next few episodes because important events take place in all of these kingdoms not necessarily all the time but you know enough that we can uh, delve into them in a bit more detail as we go through the kind of story uh, of the high Enough elves. to make a podcast from, got it. Enough yeah. to make a podcast from, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not necessarily a good one. No. But one you can make. A podcast nonetheless. A podcast nonetheless. I described the kind of central ley line that runs through uh, Ulthuin, so we should probably start with uh, Lothurn which is the capital. It's where the Phoenix King holds his court. And as listeners will remember from episodes three and four of our introduction, that is episodes three and four, it is a a kind of tripartite city. It's open to non-elves, to good non-elves, not necessarily, you know, you can't be a, a, a... You can't be a dick about it. Can't be a vampire and kind of toddle in. Um, whoa, 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 just here. Yeah, I'm just visiting. Yeah. Just on holiday. <laughs> it is also the main port of entry into the inner sea. It is the only seaway into the inner sea itself. So Lothurn is the kind of defensive port of the high elves. At the great kind of opening into the three gates uh, through which a ship must travel to get to the inner sea, there is something called the Glittering Tower. This is the this is the lighthouse. Yeah, it, it's a lighthouse. It's a massive lighthouse, uh, kind of bedecked with lanterns and uh, kind of bejazzled. magical. Yeah, it's bejazzled. <laughs> it's a massive <laughs> disco disco tower. <laughs> <laughs> like really tasteless, tacky looking shit. <laughs> yeah. Loud, it just sparkly, got... diamante encrusted. Yeah. <laughs> it's just people and it has to be like constantly maintained with like lip salve and then people throwing like glitter on it, you know, just to keep yeah. it yeah, yeah. fabulous. It's a, it's a hot mess. It's a hot mess. <laughs> it's a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> but this it, it not only is it uh, bedazzled, it's also beweaponed. 
there are enormous <laughs> engines of war uh, at every level, from catapults to bolt throwers, trebuchets, and uh, tre- maybe a trebuchet or two to be able to uh, defend the. Uh, you can't entryway. miss it by the sounds of it. It's quite yeah. a sight to behold. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this massive phallic building, like fucking encrusted with shit. Diamonds, wait, 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 wait! You made it phallic. It's not phallic. <laughs> it's a tower. I mean, it's a t- how could it not be? That's phallic. And it's got massive cannon sticking out of it. It's like, yeah, wow. It really like. How does, how does that work in a tower? <laughs> it is the stain on 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 the Elvish kingdom. Like everything's like green pastures and like. <laughs> Lush vegetation, and then you got this fucking chavy just building. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really cheap, <laughs> really tacky. Yeah. Uh, next time we're going to go out, I'm going to try. Yeah, everyone's getting bejazzled. I'm just going to go out beweaponed. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> a, a wi- wicked. Uh, He's beweaponed and bejazzled. <laughs> oh, that, that's just my trebuchet, baby. <laughs> nope, I'm just pleased to see you. It makes the Isle of the Dead or the Blighted Isle look fucking delightful. <laughs> I really don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> um, Lothurn is not only the, you know, quote-unquote capital of Ulthuan, it is also the capital of Aetain, which is the the first kingdom uh, that we'll cover. Aetain is classed as one of the inner kingdoms, which uh, is on the inside of the Anuli Mountains, the other ones being called the outer kingdoms, for obvious reasons. Aetain, however, straddles both. So it has a shoreline on the inner sea and in the wider uh, ocean upon which uh, Ulthuin sits. Because of is is that because it's at the kind of it's, tips of exactly the, right yeah the bottom of the bagel did the you say tips cross on yeah tits yeah no tips um oh like tips yeah 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 at the bottom of the the cross on isn't it it's the yeah. tips of the cross cross on is better yeah there's like that horseshoe it might be of. actually yeah horseshoe yeah because yeah. a bagel's yeah. a yeah. donut isn't it. No, Shaped. bagels are bagels, donuts are donuts. <laughs> Shaped was the missing word there. I think the mathematical term is torus. I think that's what you call like a donut shape. Just a, to- a toroidal shape. you horning that yeah, yeah. little bit of trivia in there for you? <laughs> Crow, you are just a wonder sometimes, mate. I don't know where you keep this stuff. <laughs> I do wonder sometimes, mate. <laughs> he keeps it in his bagel. Um, the... Which looks like a croissant. <laughs> a tourist croissant. Something to do with grills. I don't know. <laughs> head to the doctors, mate. Head to the doctors. Um, because the capital is uh, set in uh, 18, it is also where all of the other kingdoms have embassies, where all of the princes of the other kingdoms have palaces. It is very much a highfalutin, up class neighborhood of a kingdom even with regards to the advanced culture, shall we say, of the High Elves. It is a a noble's playground, which is not a euphemism. It's an actual playground for nobles. (laughs) As one can assume, because of all these uh, power players that uh, spend most, if not all, of their time in AATA, there's also all the services that would be in place for such nobles. There's vineyards of uh, outstanding quality. There are 
cheeseries, there's uh, dairies, dairy. Char- uh, charcuteries. Dairies. Yeah. I, I like the way that I like. I thought of elegance, and I immediately went to wine and cheese. That that that's cheesery. That was it. <laughs> that, this is cheesery. That term as well. <laughs> <laughs> the place is not only uh, bepalaced, it is also belibered. It really is a, a kind of a, an, a, an idol for the good and the great of um, of Ulthuan. The weather there is constantly summer. It's clement. The clement, <laughs> which I thought clement. was an orange. Is that an orange? <laughs> nope. No. Nope. It's <laughs> weather's rather clement. This weather's rather clement. <laughs> if we move on from uh, Aetane heading anti-clockwise on the outer scale, we come across, not literally, the kingdom of uh, Ivres, uh, which we have discussed before. Barry. Barry. It's, Barry, <laughs> it's Barry, where, it Barry, where Grom, where Grom <laughs> got stuck in. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ivris was that? Was that Ivris? Ivris. 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 Barry. It's the Isle of Barry. <laughs> <laughs> the Isle of Barry. Yeah. It is the kingdom on the kind of let's say outer rim that faces uh, the, in the direction of the old world. It and its upstairs neighbor. Kothik are the primary landing spots for all these kind of raiding parties. As I've said, it's where Grom landed. Uh, you get some Norse raiders come in there from time to time, even though the entire eastern shoreline of Ulthuin is protected by something called the Shifting Isles. As everything is floating, there are uh, islands that are kind of move in a uh, magical fashion that grind up any ships uh, that come through. And this extends right down the eastern uh, coast of Ulthuin. Not only that, it's also bemisted. So there's lots of mist. Uh, I'm going to keep going with that. I love that. It's It's fabulous uh, mist. Fabulous mist. (laughs) Do you mean fabumist? Uh, uh, Fist. <laughs> is what you would consider a mountainous uh, kingdom. There's very little kind of um, arable land. And what arable land is there is, is used for farming, as, you know, all arable land is. Bemisted Ivres is uh, also dominated by the Anuli Mountains. It's a craggy and somewhat rough-looking kingdom that uh, creates very steadfast, rough-looking elves. These are still supermodel-quality people, um, but uh, they they would be considered uh, rough. They're the Chris Hemsworth elves, kind of. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Chris Chris Hemsworth was an elf, yeah. (laughs) He's almighty. That's a poster I want. Yeah, I know. So really, that is a a kind of a bastion kingdom. It's designed, in quotes, purely to defend the eastern approaches to the kingdom of Ulthuin. Its upstairs neighbour, and by upstairs I mean north, uh, is a realm called Kothik, which is, how would you describe, a, a much more temperate climate 
although one that is still whipped with storms uh, that come from the shifting isles and the winds of chaos. The primary kind of industry of Kothik uh, is uh, sailing. Coffee. Uh, is coffee, yeah. Kothik. Kothik with a t um, it. it oh, Okay, not that then. Kothik. Are you done? Are you finished? <laughs> Pair of you? Are you finished? Is it cot? Yeah. Is it cot? Kothik. Cotted. The primary industry of uh, Kothik is fishing uh, and then also trading, merchants. These merchants travel not only to the other kingdoms within Ulthuan, but also to the uh, the rest of the world, uh, which has given rise to the kind of idea of sea elves. Anytime you hear about sea elves, in general, those will be elves from the kingdom of Kothik. Mr. Ben. So if, they, if they, they're trading, so they're obviously on the east side of this kingdom. That's, yes. I'm guessing... Um, so to their west, they've got the Anuli Mountains, which then yep. cuts them off from... Uh, do, do, do they also... Does the populace also exist on the west side of those mountains between the, the mountains and the inner sea? Uh, yes, but those are different kingdoms. E each kingdom, ah, okay. any of the outer kingdoms, stops at the Anuli Mountains, in the foothills okay. of the Anuli Mountains. So the question I was going to ask is, so you have these the shifting isles, are they slightly off coast, and as such, are the trading peoples of that kingdom able to sail up and down the outer coast of Ulthuin, kind of round to the the capital, for instance, to trade? Is that their trading routes? Is it along the coast? Yes. In general, all of the anyone who's sailing uh, from the outer kingdoms has to sail round to Lothurn to get in. And the Shifting Isles, to, to, to answer the other section there, or to answer the other question, the Shifting Isles act like, effectively, a shield held out from the body of Ulthuin. So there is calm, in quotes, or calmer waters. It's still very dangerous, especially around Kothik, because that's, that's one of the places where the kind of honeycomb nature of Ulthuin uh, is evident. There's lots of uh, passageways and caves and caverns and other things that mean the same thing. Uh, but also there's lots and lots of uh, mutated and giant sea monsters there. Like the Kraken is there. They would have the Behemoth, Behemoth exists there as well. There's also Megalodons, which I didn't really think that Jason Statham was, could have been in uh, <laughs> But nonetheless, there he's he is, everywhere. Jason Statham, the elf. Yeah, he is everywhere, man. He's uh... the the kingdom of Kothik itself. It's so uh, storm washed that, in general, the elves that live there try to spend as little amount of time there each year as possible. They've got you know great uh, palaces and uh, cities, but because an event called the Sundering caused Ulthuin effectively to rock and break apart on the on the western shore. The sea washed over uh, Kothik and then kind of receded. So there's lots of ruined towns and cities, lots of flood-filled caverns still containing monsters, but also... It's um, dank. 
Yeah, a lot of pe- a lot of elves were washed out into the sea uh, to die. And in fact, there's a tradition in Kothik that they don't bury their dead. They bury them at sea, which not only stops diseases, even though they are resistant to disease, it stops diseases spreading within Kothik, but it also feeds the monstrous sea beasts and keeps them in a kind of hunger for flesh, which then is used as a defensive tactic uh, when enemy fleets attack. Um. Kothik! <laughs> wow. That was fabulous. Um, did, does that ever bite them in the ass? I mean, literally. Oh, all the time. All the time. Right, okay. But it's still like, more... The, the, the cost of that in terms of protection is seen as part of their mission. It's seen as part of their uh, tradition. So it, it's it's not that they want to make any changes to it. They know it's dangerous, but they accept that as the price they have to pay because they're right, because what they're doing is correct. If we now go further north, we come to the kingdom of uh, Trace. Uh, it's C-H, so it's not Trace. Trace? No, Trace. Trace, Trace. like Sharon in um, ancient Greek, the kind of body, the... Uh, oh, yeah, being yeah. of the dead. This largely is an uninhabited kingdom uh, and is left to pretty much gone fallow. There are, of course, elves that live there. There are a lot of smaller settlements uh, and one uh, city, which we'll discuss in a future episode. But it's a very rural kingdom, uh, almost parochial, in fact. Think of it as kind of uh, West Country elves. but because they are uh, it's quite sparse it's given over to a lot of agriculture and indeed a lot of hunting and this is where the kind of famous regiment the white lions of shrace come uh, into play a regiment that you can now join in vermintide with an appropriate skin Um, these are the uh, elven kind of elite bodyguards of the Phoenix King who wield axes, but also wear the pelts of the great white lions that live in the foothills and forests of uh, Shrace. Now, the white lions are so central to the identity of Shrace that there are, in fact, chariots pulled by pairs of white lions, uh, that you can use on, on the board game. And in the lore, not necessarily in the battle game, in the lore, it, these huge white lions can also be uh, mounted uh, uh, for cavalry's sake. I'm trying I'm t- bend and knee. Oh, he's sniggering. He's sniggering. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I, was, I was looking at you. I was like, is he going to break? <laughs> it, is, it is an unfortunate side effect of the kind of, uh, creation of the Dark Elves, that uh, Shrace is in constant state of warfare. There are constant threats of invasion and also actual invasions um, <laughs> by Dark Elves as it is one of the primary routes into the Inner Kingdoms. Uh, there are lots of mountain passes and tunnels uh, within Shrace that need to be defended and it is the White Lions that do that. But think again a very arboreal, look at that, arboreal uh, rural kingdom at the north. 
Agrarian, I think the word agrarian, is. Agrarian. That's a better word for actually. agrarian. God, you, you're Captain Dictionary today, aren't you? Caption Dictionary? Apparently <laughs> 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 not. So Shraith is yeah. a, uh, uh, shall we say, another weak point in terms of accessing the Elven Kingdoms. I always thought that basically uh, Lorien, well, sorry, the, the, the capital, Lorien? Lothern. Lothern. Lothern, excuse Lothern. me, yeah. Lothen was kind of the the only way in and out, but that's not true. You can access it in other places in Orthon. Uh, that it, yes, you, that's you know exactly what. right. Okay, Lothen is the only way by sea. It's the only way you could transport significant numbers uh, by sea. Um, yeah, it, it it's as as you've said, it's agrarian. Uh, and the uh, foothills of the Anuli Mountains are covered with uh, thick forests that are now also awash with monsters that have been generated or uh, corrupted by the kind of chaos band that runs through those that mountain range. Speaking of evil, our next kingdom, as we move anti-clockwise, is uh, Nagareth. Nagarithi, do you remember? Oh, the Shadowlands, yeah. it's called. This is this kingdom is the home to those that would become the Dark Elves. The Dark Elves originated in that kingdom. Uh, evil Canada. And evil Canada. Well, who moved to evil Canada. Uh, Nagarithi is their Ulthuan kingdom. So are we talking about, so the geography that we're talking about now, is this in current day? Cause, yes. Because if I remember correctly, part of the Sundering involved the f- ripping up and floating off of parts of the the land of Ulthra. Uh, spoilers? Right? Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, okay. Um, but it, the next two uh, outer kingdoms were the ones that were mostly, they were the ones that were really kind of destroyed uh, to all intents and purposes. The kingdom, the Shadowlands, uh, Nagarathi, was really, 70% of it was basically sheared off and sunk uh, because Ulthuan is a floating kingdom. You'll recall that we were talking about black arcs where the castles would float away the, through the enchantments of the the kind of dark elf mages, and the kind of scars of that still exist in uh, the Shadowlands to this day. It is, to all intents and purposes, a a constant beachhead of dark elf kind of malevolence. That is not to say that there are not loyal sons and daughters of Ulthuan. There is a constant resistance against the Dark Elves by the remaining people of Nagarathi, and we'll talk about some of those as we go through their history. If we now come down to the bottom of the uh, western side, we come across the ill-fated realm of Tyrannoch. While Nagarathi had about 70% of its landmass destroyed, Tyrannoch had about 90% of its landmass destroyed. And we'll put up in the show notes, we've got a kind of before and after pair of images that we can uh, show to give people some idea of the amount that was destroyed. Tyrannoch is still effectively the closest you can get to paradise on Earth. Uh, it's heavily scarred, obviously, what's left of it. Um, the kind of elite troops from that realm are charioteers. And so th- there are still planes. Uh, why are you smiling, Ben? 
just ironic that they're charioteers with the with only ten percent of the land mass yeah. available. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like around circles. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, <laughs> fuck's sake. Can we have the, one yeah, of the one. other ones? <laughs> uh, but but this is if you were to see images of uh, Tyrannoch, it's what you would think a kingdom of high elves looks like: huge marble fortresses and palaces. Uh, you know, ten percent left. Ten yeah. percent left. The bits that are left are tip top. Uh, so sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They may have taken ninety percent, but they took ninety percent of the shit stuff. We, we didn't care about that. We didn't, <laughs> didn't care about that. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we meant that for to happen. Yeah, yeah. Because we're right <laughs> yeah, at the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, leaving what's left of Tyrannoc behind, we come back into uh, Lothern and we go through into the Inner Sea. Now we'll continue going anti-clockwise. The five inner kingdoms are Safri is the the first one, and that really is the academic kingdom of Ulthuin. It's where the lore masters are. It's where the sword masters are. These are um, effectively high elf samurai that defend um, the mages uh, and magicians of uh, high elf culture. Uh, it's where you go. It's a university kingdom, effectively. It's where you go to learn. Cool. Um, it has its own, of Lots course, of frat houses. Absolutely, <laughs> fresh as week and Safri is unbelievable. Um, yeah, <laughs> <off> the <laughs> Are the sword masters the guys, the models that have got the massive broads, uh, like two handed, the two handed swords? They're, those swords are made of Ithilmar, which is they are the elf version of Mithril, oh, and oh, in yeah. the hands of a sword master, they're so light that the sword masters have the always strike first rule. Uh, or they did have when uh, the thing was so they would no matter what happened they could instantly you know spring into action and uh, slice and dice anyone who came near their Harry Potter-esque high elf buddies Mm. buddies Uh, the kingdom is so awash with magic that the uh, at any given time the sky can be the colour of one of the winds of magic it's very rare that you have a naturally blue sky uh, in ho- uh, Can in you and tell around. their mood by this shade oh, of yeah. color that the sky is. It's like, it's like one of oh, those stupid it's got a bit purple. Oh, stay away. It's like one of those fish you put in your hand that uh, the paper fish that folds up and tells you oh, how, yeah. how pissed off you are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I spent three quid on this. I'm pretty pissed off. <laughs> as we go again the uh the the next kingdom up is the kingdom of Avalorn. now this is the high elf version of wood elves any wood elf coming to Avalorn, and it, it happens from time to time are seen as the kind of parochial cousin and um, uh, okay so it's very much a kind of how you describe it? It's a nomadic. It's a kingdom of nomads. There's very few actual cities or settlements, permanent settlements there, and indeed the kind of ruling court moves uh, every few weeks in a kind of caravan of constant uh, glory, as it were. And why do they move? Is it like a seasonal thing? Are they f- exactly the right? Low concentration or? span. They just get yeah, bored. Yeah, yeah. They're like, "This is shit." Yeah, yeah. I can like, let's go over there. Yeah. Grass is greener on the other side syndrome, isn't it? Like, literally. Uh, yeah. It, but it, like that grass it, it is literally green. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Cool, okay. Uh, just following the, the seasonal the, rains and stuff. Okay. Exactly right. Uh, and okay. the 
the the ruling house of there is the that of the Ever Queen, who is the hereditary queen of the High Elves and the kind of high priestess of uh, Aisha, which is an interesting uh, point to make here that the Ever Queen is the daughter of the previous Ever Queen and the Phoenix King of that time. Phoenix kings are elected from amongst the leadership of each kingdom. The Ever Queen is the daughter of a Phoenix king and the previous Ever Queen. So there's a kind of genetic bloodline running through on the Ever Queen side, but the the kings are elected, yeah. And there's always two because the high elves don't want to descend into tyranny as you know as happened with the dark elves, uh, although their system was set up before that. Yeah, so it's a, a place uh, awashed with kind of beautiful nature. It's a heavily forested area, uh, as would kind of befit the kind of main kingdom of the the the, the god the goddess of life. So where so where was that one positioned? Sorry, that um, uh, if you're looking at a map of Ulthuin, you're on the inner sea, and it's the second kingdom to your right. So it's nine o'clock. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, no, no, three o'clock. That's left, Chris. Uh, yeah, that's that. <laughs> yeah. Three o'clock. Yeah, three o'clock. Nine o'clock in Australia. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nine o'clock in Australia. You do, you do not know how clocks work, do you, mate? <laughs> no, I don't. I I do not. Continuing clockwise, uh, we get to the kingdom of uh, Illyrian, uh, or Illyrian. Sorry, Illyrian. This is a kind of stepped kingdom in terms of the steppes of Russia, that kind of idea. It's a, a, a huge pastoral paradise. It is also the other side of Nagarathi. There are five huge passes that all empty into Illyrian uh, from the outer kingdoms. Uh, and these are all now uh, defended by enormous fortresses and gates to stop such a kind of ready port of entry into the inner kingdoms from um, the, the Shadowlands. Uh, Illyrian is also the kind of horse breeder kingdom. All the best cavalry, mm-hmm. all the best steeds come from Illyrian. Ben, get that smirk off your face. Uh, I'm saying nothing. Because of, its, uh, because of the number of passes into Illyrian, it's also one where the forces of uh, chaos wash in a little bit stronger than everywhere else. But it's expressed in a very odd way. Time and distance doesn't really mean anything in the kingdom of Valyrian. You can walk across the entire kingdom in an afternoon, or it could take you 20 years. Uh, it seems what? to very much depend on the person. There are safe kind of pathways through but these are all incredibly heavily guarded uh, by the horse masters and also by uh, other high elf forces um, sounds like the warp a little bit uh, uh, a why, lot of why such weird time stuff uh, basically because the number of passes wash in uh, a lot of the chaotic energy why it's expressed as 
time dilation, we'll say, and distance dilation is a topic for another time, Chris. Okay. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll get to well it. Deflected. We'll get to it. <laughs> Carrot dangled. Carrot dangled. Um, the final kingdom we'll talk about is the kingdom of Kalidor. Uh, again, if you're looking on a map, it's the one immediately left of uh, Eotain and the, the northern um, uh, capital. What, what time would that be, Kral? Half six, seven o'clock. Exactly right. This is... Half six or seven? Both. It's, <laughs> okay. it's not... The kingdom doesn't have just one six line. To eight. <laughs> it's six yeah. to eight. Right? Yeah. Six to eight, uh, roughly. Yeah. 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 Calador uh, is the kingdom of dragons and magical blacksmiths. Excellent. Uh, it Love is it. an inc- incredibly mountainous kingdom where... 90 to 95 percent of all the dragons that have ever existed originate from Uh, it is a a honeycomb hideout of dragon peaks caverns they've got the dragons have all their own hordes and they're all uh served i was going to say serviced they're all served by high elf either dragon masters who would ride the dragons into combat uh, or um, <laughs> or the kind of um, the blacksmiths of that kingdom and the mages of that kingdom who would entreat the dragons uh, to for lore and for advice, kind of like agony ants, dragon agony ants, dragon agony ants would be pretty fun. <laughs> wow! Do they speak then? Dragons, dragons do speak, yes. And do they do they have their own language that the elves? No, or do they speak Elven, or what's uh, it? It's a mixture of Elves learning the Draconic language, but also Dragons learning the Elf language. Some can communicate telepathically as well, uh, so you suddenly understand what they're they're saying. It's it's an interesting note on language. The High Elves speak something called Eltharin, which is a simplified version of the language of the Old Ones. So uh, th- there's an echo of their creators in their in, in how they speak, which one might assume that the old ones feel emotions in a similar fashion to high elves because uh, they have the vocabulary that would translate across that divide. I mean, we're not talking about a lion talking to a shark here. Uh, it's uh... <laughs> Ben. <laughs> Everybody gets what everyone else is saying. It's fine. I get it. So hold on. You're, you're saying um, of their creators. Are, are we saying that they were created by the old ones? Because I thought there was some ambiguity. Oh, no, no. I, I, I kind of made the point that there, if, you're, if you're evolving something into something else you're arguably creating it so the act of creation i hold that the original elves were actually brought to warhammer world um, and then elevated into the state they are now um but others may say they were created wholesale in the old world right so like created or manipulated by yes exactly right Yeah, yeah. yeah okay yeah yeah there are a number of important areas around some of these kingdoms, and we'll touch on a lot of those later, but the, the, the important ones we've already mentioned. You have 
uh, or with one exception. You have Vol's Anvil, which is a huge volcano forge uh, just off the coast of Kalidor. Uh, and that's really the Mount Doom of Ulthuin. That's where the greatest weapons and items and artifacts are uh, manufactured. Uh, it is a place awash with, well, it, it's bejeweled. There are lots of jewels, but also uh, huge veins of magical uh, ores. Some of the greatest magic users in elven history are from Kalidor. Uh, and indeed, Kalidor is named after the very first um, and mightiest kind of master magician of the elves, Keith Kalidor. Keith Kalidor. <laughs> Barry Calador. Um, <laughs> but I mean, some of the other things we'll touch on, we've got uh, in Avalorn, there's the Isle of Rebirth, and that's one of the islands that's on the kind of central ley line uh, there, where you've got the, the Gain Vale, uh, where the kind of goddess, the mother goddess lives uh, or manifests. You have the Tower of Hoeth in Safri, which is a magic university. Hoeth, mate. Hoeth. Okay. It's Hogwarts. It's, <laughs> it's High of Hogwarts. That's really oh, what that cool. is. Yeah. And we, we mentioned the um, of Azurian, where the central kind of Phoenix temple is. Uh, and that's where that eternal flame is that an elf has to walk through to become the Phoenix King. So it's mm -hmm. at that aisle. The, the only other point to reiterate, really, before we close out, is that in the inner sea, dead center in the inner sea, is the Isle of the Dead, which is a kind of, um, it's mostly waystones floating that have kind of congregated together and kind of dust and rock has kind of washed up on it and it's built an island. It's an, it's an artificial island within the center of an artificial uh continent far out and that's and that's the site of the great vortex where the chaos energy is drawn in uh, and if you ever look at a map of Ulthuin, you will note with interest that there are two arch archipelagos kind of sweeping down in curves to touch the uh, central isle of the dead meaning that if you squint a little bit you can see a yin and yang uh, symbol within the inner sea Pretty, very, very pretty. Yeah. And thus ends the basic introduction to high elves plus where they live. Amazing. Is there um kind of the 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 Isle of two questions? I well, first of all, question and uh, and a statement. That Isle of the Dead sounds a little bit like isn't there in the world somewhere an island in a lake on an island? In a lake on an island. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Is it? Yeah. Vic, is it? Vic, I want to say Victoria Island, but I might be wrong. It sounds like that sort of thing. Like it's that it's, kind of idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and what was it called before? Was it always called Isle of the Dead, or was it called that after they made the vortex on it? I mean, it's something that we'll uh, talk about in the next episode because we're going to look at the you know what happened to the high elves during the great catastrophe when the polar gates collapsed and everything they did up to the creation of the great vortex so that that's a question for next episode and we'll answer that will, there yeah i will i will receive rescind my question receive i'll withdraw my question withdraw where would you like to live in Ulthuan, ben 
Um, I'd like to live in the 10% place. 10% of perfection. Yeah, 10% of perfection. There's not a huge amount of people left. Uh, it's lots of yeah. white marble forts, apparently, and just chariots. Just just chariots. <laughs> just chariots. White lines and shit. Was that the White Lines place? No, that's not the White no, Lions. No, that, no. The, no. The White Lions have their own chariots pulled by White Lions. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. Trace, yeah. You could take a White Lion chariot from there around the, the inner coast to 10%ville. What was it called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Turanok. There's going to be a lot of that to that place with yeah. the stuff. What was it called, Darren? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The one with the white uh, badgers or something? I would like yeah. to live in Lothen. I'm feeling like it's quite a metropolitan kind of place. Well, it's not. It's the, it's the elven capital, so it's far from metropolitan, isn't it? But I don't know. It just seems like it's hip and happening there. And you've got a big You'd probably bejeweled, live on the outskirts, be wouldn't you? You're, you're more yeah. of a suburbs kind of guy, aren't you? You, you just want yeah, to live in the sh- in the shadow of the glittering tower. That's all you want. I man. just want to see that <laughs> naff big tower. Yeah. The How everything. does the trebuchet work? How does it work without knocking into the Why rest do you even of need the, the trebuchet tower? up there? I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So many How did you get it up there? Fuck me. <laughs> Crazy. There must be some sort of lift system and maybe like little shells that come off the tower that it sits on. Floating shelves that actually stay on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A floating yeah, yeah. elf shelf. <laughs> <laughs> Themselves. Uh, amazing. Um where where would you live there? Um I'd probably go for Safri. The Which I, one is that? That's the High of Hogwarts. Um, oh yeah. So it's the magical rainbow kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That nice. does sound fun, actually. That does sound fun. I don't know, Lothen. Bet the nightlife's a bit better there. It's the capital city, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, Humping, man. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> 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 right. I'm wrapping up. Shall I wrap? Yeah. He's wrapping up. He's wrapping up. All right, that's all from us. Thank you so much for listening. Details and imagery for the topics we've discussed in this podcast can be found on our website at layingdownthelore.com. We also have all of our previous episodes on there, release schedules, merchandise, and you can sign up for the Laying Down the Lord newsletter, which includes exclusive info about upcoming releases, behind-the-scenes chat, and some extra lore not covered in the podcast. Big thank you to all our Patreon supporters. We couldn't do this without you guys. You cover our costs and allow us more time planning content. If you're not part of this merry band, you've enjoyed what you've heard Tough in this episode shit. and you want to support I mean... us, head over to <laughs> patreon.com forward slash laying down the lore and sign up today for as little as £3. This will give you access to our Discord server so you can come and chat with us directly and there's an ever-growing pile of exclusive bonus content on there. We'll be back again soon displaying just how little Chris and I know. Until then, goodbye. Sayonara. Whatever. Whatever.